If you'd like to follow along this morning, Matthew chapter 26. This is our last message in our series on prayer today. Hard to believe we've spent the last four months exploring the significant prayers in the Bible. Next week we start a new series in my favorite book of the Bible, the book of Hebrews. And we'll be doing a three-month series in Hebrews beginning next week. Today, Matthew chapter 26, we are ending with the prayer of Jesus to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. All of Scripture is obviously God's holy word. But for me personally, there are certain passages of Scripture that when I come to them, I I do feel that impression of we're standing on holy ground. And every time I come to this passage in the Gospels, I always feel that. A couple of things before we read this this morning. This passage certainly brings out for us the wonder of God and the fact that there are things in God and about God that as finite human beings, we will never totally understand. If we're looking for a God and a relationship with a God that we can always wrap our minds around and always understand and always be able to put things in such nice, tidy, neat little packages and store them somewhere, then you and I will never connect intimately with the God of the Bible. Because He is infinite. And His ways are infinite. And they're at times beyond, even as He reveals things to us, beyond our ability to truly grasp it all. And I say that because in this passage today, I believe that we are again reminded of two things that we need to keep in mind as we approach this passage. Too many Christians emphasize the deity of Jesus Christ to the exclusion of his humanity. Or they focus so much on his humanity that they do it to the exclusion of his deity. And the Bible clearly teaches that in the incarnation, when Jesus came to earth, he was 100% God and 100% man. That deity and humanity were perfectly united in some way in the person of Jesus Christ. And therefore, you have deity and humanity existing together. Now, if you can totally understand that, let me know. Okay? But what we see playing out here in this passage of Scripture has a lot to do with the humanity of Jesus, not necessarily the deity. So that hopefully will help. Secondly... When Jesus here is portrayed as struggling with his divine appointment, 
It has nothing to do with the fact that he doesn't want to go to the cross and die for our sins. That's not the struggle here, if you will. The struggle that Jesus is having is, again, something that you and I will never truly be able to appreciate and understand. And that is that as the sinless, perfect, eternal Son of God, He was getting ready to take upon Himself our sin. He was getting ready to experience something that throughout all time, from eternity past, He had never experienced. And that was to experience for Himself the wrath of God. To in some way be separated from God the Father and God the Holy Spirit for the very first time and would be only time ever in their eternal existence. This is what Jesus is struggling with. Now, as we keep those things in mind, would you please follow along as I just read this passage of Scripture And then I want to share a few thoughts with you this morning. The Bible says that Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 36. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and became anguished and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved, even to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little further, he threw himself down with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will must be done. He came again and found them sleeping. They could not keep their eyes open. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is approaching and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us go. Look, my betrayer is approaching. Every time I even read this passage of Scripture in the Bible, I'm drained after reading it. And that's only reading about a little bit of what happened that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane literally means oil press. It was the place on the Mount of Olives where they would take the olives and they would press them into oil. And in a sense, Jesus was going through an oil press experience in his life. 
It's one of the reasons why the author of Hebrews says he gets it when we go through oil press experiences in our life. Because he's been through them too. Maybe right now you feel like you're being pressed severely. You're being squeezed. Jesus knows about that. But what Jesus is teaching us here is so important to our walk with him and to our Christian faith and and even to our ability to finish things well, to carry things through to their proper conclusion, to see things through, if you will, to have that follow through in our life. Because Jesus was right about to the end here, if you will, And then there was again that tremendous struggle to make sure that he totally fulfilled everything the Father wanted him to do while he was here on earth. And in doing that, and in God revealing this this intimate moment, not just with Jesus and and the Father, but with Jesus and his fellow disciples, we, we have unlocked for us these keys that we can apply to our own life about how do I finish well? How do I carry things through to their best conclusion? How do I have that follow through in my life that many times is missing from our lives and from other people's lives? We see it all the time, even in our secular society, even in something is really not as meaningful when all things are said as something like sports. I've followed sports most of my life, been involved in sports. And I can tell you that in all the years I've watched athletes, both individuals and even teams, I've seen it time and time again where an individual athlete or a a sports team gets a big lead and gets way out in front of their opponent. And you're thinking, you know, all you need to do, because you know history, if if you don't close the deal, if, if you don't keep going... If you don't carry things through and have that follow through, you're going to let your opponent back in the game and sometimes to the point where even the opponent comes back and wins. That's why it's so important that we learn to have that resolve and determination that we need to make sure that we don't just start things, but when we start them, we have that follow through and and we carry things through to the very end to the very conclusion that that they need to be brought to because when we don't do that we end up doing not only disservice to our own lives but we negatively affect other people around us as well i mean probably for us as christians who believe the bible One of the best examples that we could use is always staring us right in the face every day of our lives, and that is the nation of Israel. Who, if they would have just completely done the will of God way back a long time ago, a lot of the enemies and the people who are surrounding them now, who are causing them all kinds of issues, wouldn't be there if they would have just listened to God and carried things through to their completed conclusion, if they had just had that 
follow through, that carry through. And that's what you see happening here. You see, first of all, I, I want us to note that Jesus here truly, I believe, is struggling. But do you notice something here? In his struggle, he's struggling with God and not apart from God. He's still holding on to God as he's struggling. He's still going to God in prayer and keeping those lines of communication open. So often when we're struggling, we choose to let go of God and struggle apart from him. And that just makes the struggle worse. That's where you and I end up falling down and failing because it's not that we're not going to have times of struggle in our life. It's not that we're not going to go through our Gethsemane experiences where our life, either by our own choice or someone else's choices, are going to be put into an oil press. And our lives are going to be squeezed. And you'll notice something here. When we go into those oil press experiences of life, they don't create who we are. They just bring out who we already are. They prove what's already there. That's why, again, I'm calling on us today to to be disciples of Jesus Christ and to follow Him every day and to be engaged with Him every day in His Word. Because we never know when those oil press experiences, those Gethsemane experiences necessarily are going to come into our lives. And when they do come into our lives, again, there's not going to be time to all of a sudden create all of this character, all of this integrity, all of this inner strength immediately. It's going to have to be there. And that's actually what we see happening here. We see what was in Jesus all along. Because Jesus has been modeling for his disciples all throughout his ministry. I'm going to the mountainside, I'm going to get alone with the Father, and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to keep my relationship with my Father close at all times. I never know when I might have to deal with Satan's temptations, or with this situation, or that situation. And, and so, Jesus was modeling in his humanity that he was always prepared and always ready. Because he never knew when those Gethsemane experiences were going to come. And you and I don't either. But that's why we need to be ready every day. We need to keep up that, that inner strength, if you will, so that when we begin to get pressed, what's already there is going to come out. You see. So he goes to Gethsemane. He takes his disciples, especially the three that he was closest to, Peter, James, and John, and he says, guys, accompany me. I, I don't expect you to necessarily, I need to be alone with God at this point, my father. But at least, at least accompany me, at least be here alongside of me, because he was hoping that the disciples were going to get something out of this. 
that they were going to learn something from this and in this. And so he wanted them to be there with him. But he was struggling. But he struggled with the Father. Maybe right now you are struggling in your life. You feel like you're just you know, trying to keep your head above water. One of the best things that I could encourage you with today is this. Don't let go of God in that struggle. Don't, don't seek to be struggling apart from God. That's when we need to be close to God more than ever. But again, the natural human reaction, even amongst Christians, is when I struggle, I start to separate myself from God and God's people and God's house and God's word and things like prayer that are absolutely so vital to get us through. Because what Jesus is teaching is we will struggle. But if we struggle with God, we're going to come out on the other side even stronger, even better than we did when we went through the beginning of that struggle. And if you're here today and you're struggling, don't walk away from God. God hasn't walked away from you. Don't walk away from Him. God hasn't left go of you. Don't let go of Him. Struggle with God in life. Learn to struggle with Him. Not apart from Him. Secondly, you'll see here that it is through struggling with the Father through this that Jesus is actually being strengthened. And that that doing the will of God is not something that's getting shakier. It's actually something that's being solidified. So that by the end here, you see Jesus coming and saying to his own disciples, I'm not running away from this divine appointment. In fact, I'm going to meet it head on. Get up. Let's go. I'm, I'm going to face my betrayer. I mean, obviously, even in his humanity... How much of it would have been just like us? Oh man, I even see what's coming and I'm going to run the other way. But sometimes God's divine appointment is for us to go through what is in front of us that that might be a little unpleasant. But when God is always leading us down that road, it's either for our spiritual profit and benefit or for somebody else's spiritual profit and benefit. And obviously here, Jesus wasn't going to personally benefit out of going to the cross, but you and I certainly were. And Jesus knew that. And so he was strengthened in doing the will of God by struggling with God through this. And again, his determination and resolve to do the will of God was solidified. That's part of why God wants us to pray and to keep communing with Him and to keep uh, communicating with Him. And that's why so much our flesh detests prayer (laughs) and why our spiritual enemy, the devil, will do everything he can to discourage prayer in our life because he knows what prayer can do. That prayer can strengthen us to do the will of God. And our flesh fights against that. Our old human nature. And obviously our spiritual enemy doesn't want to see us there either. 
That's why, again, you and I even have to, in our prayer life and, and in our time in God's word and in our time with each other and stuff, we've got to have that determination and resolve and tenacity to be able to say, I'm not going to let other things get in the way. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to keep on where I know I need to be. Because I know there's going to be things always pulling at me. I know there's going to be things telling me, go here, go there. And if I'm going to stay on point, and I'm going to stay on course spiritually, I have got to come to a place where I allow God to build that kind of inner strength and that determination and resolve to have follow through in my life. You'll notice here, Jesus even says that. He says to us, to his disciples, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And in other words, he's saying our self apart from God and his supernatural enablement is without the adequate strength to follow through with things, to see things through to their very end, to finish well. Jesus is saying to us, you and I don't have that apart from God. Many of you have heard the famous quote that the road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions. And how many of us as Christians even live that way? God, I, I, I intend on, on this. I, I, things are going to be different now, God. You know, it's sort of like even the, the New Year's resolution type season. Where we make all these promises and we make all these plans. And even Jesus says, listen, the spirit even within us is willing. In other words, that's what we really want. But Jesus saying that you and I can desire a lot of things. But until we learn to walk in his strength that only he can supply, we'll never follow through with most of it. We'll never carry it through to the end. We'll never see things through to their end conclusion. Because it's only when we learn the lessons that we learn even in a passage like this, where when we are struggling, we struggle with God, not apart from him. Where we learn that that when we build into our life the disciplines of Bible study and prayer and fellowship with other believers, that that continues to build that inner strength. And God, through that, builds a resolve and determination that instead of not being able to accomplish God's will, it actually raises us to a level where we are more competent, capable, and able to accomplish God's will. And that's what Jesus is teaching his own disciples here. I love that even when Jesus says to the Father... In verse 39, my father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. That right after that, he says, but but father, not what I will. Even in that moment, it wasn't like I'm not ready to do your will. No, what Jesus was asking the father was, father, in your infinite wisdom as God, is there any other way to accomplish human salvation apart from me being separated from you? 
And, and me, the sinless son of God, having to know what that's like to experience the wrath of God? It's what Paul talks about to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5.21 when he says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And again, we don't understand that. We never will because we're far from perfect. But in some way, Jesus, the perfect, sinless son of God, became sin, took upon himself our sin. And he's simply saying, is there, Father, any other way? Now think about it. Think about now this for just a moment with me. The Bible says that if anybody could figure out a way, it would be who? God, right? So keep following. If there was no other way, and you know that if there would have been another way, because of the Father's love for the Son, if there would have been any other way to bring salvation to us other than Jesus having to go through what he went through, don't you think the Father would have granted that? Absolutely he would have. Which now brings us to this place. That's why it is so, and this isn't even doing it justice, that's why it's so insulting to God that people think that there can be another way to him other than through Jesus. Because in a sense, what we are saying is that meant that Jesus, the very perfect sinless son of God, died for nothing. Because there are other ways to God. There is other ways possible to get to God besides Jesus Christ. No! If there would have been any other way, God would have come up with it. The only way for God to remain perfect in his character to be just to be able to deal with sin and punish it appropriately and still offer us salvation as a free gift the only way possible was for Jesus the son of God to die for us that was the only way both things could be satisfied where God's justice and wrath could be satisfied for sin, and where God then could offer us salvation as a free gift by His grace. So when you and I live in a world today that believes in multiple ways to God, or even for human beings to have the arrogance that somehow they can work their way and be good enough to God, They're insulting God. Because if there would have been any other way to do this other than Jesus having to go to that cross and to die for us, God would have figured it out and come up with another plan. And yet Jesus says, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will, notice, must be done. It must be executed. It must be carried out. It must be followed through. It must be carried out to its completion. This thing that I set out on must be finished and finished well. 
As we wrap our thoughts up this morning, though, I want to take us now back just a little bit before we even get to this point. Because though Jesus is obviously modeling for us the strength and the resolve and the determination to finish well and to follow through and carry things through and to execute in all of that until the very end and to accomplish what God's will was for his life, the disciples not so much. In fact, go with me now. Just a few verses before the ones we started with this morning, up to verse 31 of Matthew 26. Jesus says to them in verse 31, This night you will all fall away because of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now notice the disciples' response. But after I'm raised, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter said to him, if they all fall away, if all other ten, because by this time, don't forget, Judas is out of the picture. If all other ten of these guys, Lord, fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, on this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will never deny you. And don't miss this last phrase. This is very important. Peter's not the only one who's affirming that or maintaining that. Notice the Bible says at the end of verse 35, and all the disciples said the same thing. They're basically saying, Jesus, we're good. We've got the strength within us. We can handle whatever's coming, Lord. We don't need to press into God at this moment. We got this. We don't need to have that push to pray and and, and to, to, you know, raise our level of our, you know, spiritual life right now up to another level. We're good, God. We've got this. We know they didn't have this. They fell flat on their face. Then why, at the end of the passage that we looked at, why would Jesus, as their leader, say to them, get up, let's go, knowing that they were going to fail? Why would Jesus lead his own disciples knowing that they were going to fail? For the same reason why sometimes Jesus will allow us to go This way, knowing we're going to fail. It's hopefully to bring about a realization within our lives that will bring about permanent change. A wake-up call. Where we realize, oh my goodness. I wasn't as strong as I thought I was. I wasn't as ready and prepared spiritually as I thought I was. Lord, I really do need you. And I need you all the time. And I I need to build into my life these disciplines, these spiritual disciplines. Because, Lord, I never know when these Gethsemane experiences are going to come. And I might think I'm ready, but so did the disciples. And just like a lot of Christians, 
Do they have Jesus? Yeah, they have Jesus in their life. But are they really relying and depending on God to strengthen them and to build that resolve and determination they were going to need in the hours ahead? No. No. And that's why many Christians lack the follow-through. Spirit is willing. So many Christians can tell you about all the things that they want to do and that they're going to do. But how many follow through to the end? Can I give you just a real practical example of this? Even amongst Christians today. And though in some ways I sort of bristle at having to adjust things. Again, because I sort of feel in some ways we lower the standard to accommodate more people. We understand that's the sort of the climate we're living in. And we're going to try to work with what we've got. And try to strengthen it and make it better. You know, one of the reasons why, like, we've come to the place even here at the Oasis where we don't do extra long series or extra long Bible studies, especially not on a Sunday, because of the attrition. You'll start out with 30 people in a Bible study and six weeks later you'll have half. Why is that? Why can't people who start something see it all the way through? This is why. Because again, we commit ourselves to so much. But where's the follow through? Where's seeing things through to the end? Where's that resolve and determination that says, I'm not going to let anything interfere with this and I'm going to carry it all the way through. You see, that kind of strength and resolve and determination and spiritual tenacity, if you will, and stick to only comes when we're willing to struggle with God in things and through things. And where we're willing to go to Him in prayer every day and commune and communicate with Him and let Him build that inner strength and resolve and determination into our lives. Without it, we become like the disciples. In fact, we sort of become self-deceived. God, I got this. I have you in my life, but God, I've got this. And no, we don't. And again, so the reason why Jesus will lead them this way is so that they will fall flat on their face. So that they will realize, oh my goodness. (laughs) I might have you, Jesus, but I'm really not relying and depending on you. I'm not pressing into you like I need to be. I'm sort of keeping you over there on the fringes. I know where you are. And if something real big or some crisis or, you know, something like that, then then I'll call on you and hopefully you'll come running. But but everyday basis, no, God, I got this. And Jesus was trying to show his disciples and show us through this. No, we don't. No, we don't. We can make all kinds of promises like Peter. Lord, I'll never deny you. Lord, even if I have to die, I'll be right there. No. The Spirit is willing. But our self apart from God is without adequate strength. This journey we're about to go on as a church of moving from this location to another location and 
And going through that whole process and all of that, again, folks, that's not so much a physical thing for us that God wants to see happening with us as much as it is a spiritual exercise. Will we keep relying and depending and leaning on Him every day through every step of the way so that we learn for Him to build the strength and resolve and determination we need to see this process through all the way to its conclusion? That's what God wants to do. Sometimes that's what God wants to do in our lives individually. That's why, again, he allows those Gethsemane experiences, those oil press experiences. Because he wants us to learn how weak we are without him, but how strong we could be with him. It's the lesson that Paul learned in his own life. And why then he encourages the Philippians with a very familiar verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why Paul said, I boast in my weakness. So that the power of Christ may reside in me. Think about that. We live our whole lives trying to hide our weaknesses. We live our whole lives as human beings trying to prove to ourselves and to other people how strong we are. And the real secret of life is acknowledging and admitting we are weak without you, God. We need you. And with your strength, there's nothing we can't do. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. May each of us be willing to grab a hold of God today and say, God, I'm struggling, but I have been reminded I need to struggle with you. And I'm going to let you build inside of me the inner strength and that resolve and determination, God, to see things through in my life, to have a better follow through. To be a better finisher and not just someone who starts well, but someone who finishes well. Not someone who just always is sharing what I promise to do and what I intend to do and what I plan to do, but what I really do, God, that's what I want. Would you pray with me as our worship team comes and gets in place? Father, May we be reminded today that we need you, God. God, we're going to struggle. We're human. We're going to have all kinds of struggles in our life. Jesus had some struggles. But when he struggled, he went to the Father. He fell down before the Father and he talked to the Father. He never struggled apart from you, God. He struggled with you. What a great example for us. He showed us that inner strength and resolve and determination. He showed us, God, how doing your will could actually be solidified in our lives. And not shaken when we stay connected to you, especially in prayer.
So God, I pray today for each of us individually and for us as a church corporately. God, we would take a hold of you and grab a hold of you and hold on to you like never before in the days in which we live. And realize, God, once and for all, that we can't live one day, one hour, one minute without you. Because the spirit may be willing, but our flesh is weak. Apart from you, God, we are without adequate strength. God, give us your strength today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.